What a sci-fi Saturday night. Oh, that's right. I, um, listen, and this is good. Thank you for having me on. This is Adam West and AdamWest.com. Don't forget that. AdamWest.com, we have so many goodies for you. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Yeah, and I have to unmute myself to make that work. (laughs) Beginning in 2019, all Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night have been coated with a thin candy shell to help augment your auditory experience. Tonight, in episode 417, we look forward with great excitement to listening to people talk. On board for tonight's talk cast are, sitting in the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Gaming Console and Help Desk, our own back-alley freeform fencing champion for the past three years and prodigious prestidigitator of protons and electrons, Kriana. And from Cyborg University, their preeminent reference librarian, whose current contract requires an inch of standing water wherever she goes. She also thinks that light sticks are magic and enjoys waterproof ukuleles. It's Zombrarian. I can't talk long. The hologram level just started. Oh, okay. All right, see you later. Bye. Okay. You know, it was uh, one of those bizarre son-of-a-bitch weeks. Um, And uh, I had sent Kriana a screenshot of of, uh, uh, a very wonderful game that from 10 or 15 years ago called Burning Monkey Solitaire, which no longer exists from a company called Freeverse Software, which also unfortunately no longer exists. And I stumbled upon a copy of it uh, because I was looking to find something to fire up a monitor that somebody had left at my house to see if it actually worked. And I had an old Mac Mini. And when I say an old Mac Mini, it's a really old Mac Mini. And I plugged it in and they're sitting right there, right on the Right on the dock was Burning Monkey Solitaire, which I played all weekend because I could. And if you've never played Burning Monkey Solitaire, you're missing something absolutely wonderful in life. Uh, but on to enough about me, because uh, I'm the Dome. And, and now, um, Joe Paradis joins us tonight. Joe, please tell me I got the name right. You certainly did. Joe oh, Harris. cool. Okay, that's one in a row. It will never happen again. It's not a problem. <laughs> Listeners need to understand that when a biography of a writer has in it lines like, I told a lot of lies as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I heard that uh, on a on a YouTube piece that you had done, and I just kind of went, nice, <laughs> nice. There you go. That's how you start as a writer. You lie as a kid. What made you say that? Besides the fact that obviously it was true. Um, I noticed the correlation when it when a first person saw something that I wrote. Um, when I f- first got into writing, they were like, wow, this is, they gave me a good reaction. And I was like, wait, that feels good. When's the last time I felt this? I'm like, oh, throughout my, my liar's career as a child. <laughs> now, your, your career as a writer has, has had any number of false starts. Um, as near as I've been able to count, looking at your biography, at least three, possibly four false starts, including losing an entire three chapters of a novel on a notebook thanks to people at Best Buy. Yep, that was, uh, I, I do take half the blame for that, for bringing my computer to Best Buy because it had a virus. But um, yeah, it, it, that, was, that probably happened about 10 years ago, and that was the best thing that could have happened for the story because I hadn't read enough, I haven't lived enough to, uh, to write anything that was a, a good product. And that, that brings me to, and we'll get to the book eventually. Trust me on this. We will, because i got a lot of opinions about that as well. But when you, when you say, I hadn't read enough, and, and I hadn't written enough, and I hadn't lived and experienced enough to be a good writer, why? What do you mean? What did you mean by that? So the like Stephen King's advice and a lot of other uh, famous authors, they'll say you need to read a lot and you need to write a lot. And I certainly hadn't fit that criteria, and that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, where I, I just hadn't read enough books. I, I was stuck in my, my Harry Potter phase and my, my Christopher Paolini phase. Um, so I needed, to read, I needed to branch out a bit more and read, read some more uh, authors. And then as far as living enough... Um, not that I've been through anything emotionally, um, traumatic, um, relative to other people. I feel like I've had a pretty easy life, but, um, I am in the military and I had since the great deletion of, uh, my first th- few chapters, um, I'd been deployed a couple times. I'd been married, I'd been divorced. And, uh, there's something about those ups and downs in life where if you're open to it, you can really grow emotionally. You can get more in touch with your creative side. And there was a certain, there was a certain eddy in the, the waves in my life where I, I just, uh, I decided to pick it back up again. And that's, that's when I knew the time was right. Was there, was there a specific event that said to you, Hey, maybe it's time to write again. Oh yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was going through a divorce on my second deployment, um, and I was looking for something. I didn't even know I wanted to write a book, um, but but then uh, so I started journaling, and then as I was journaling, I, I I started really enjoying it. It was very cathartic, and then I was like, oh yeah, I remember that book you tried to write ten years ago. Let's let's try picking that up again. So that's how that got started. So. The book that you had started ten years ago, the bones were still there in your head, or the 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 overlying concepts, and a series of unfortunate events. I hate to say that, but kind of flowed its way back into you restarting this. 
yeah the 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 story had always it had always been there it was uh about 10 years ago i had a this crazy dream and uh say i know it sounds cliche it all started with a dream but it, it was a, a dream a dream that hit me pretty hard and i i at that point in my life i had never i hadn't written anything outside of um at, outside of high school and i had no interest in writing but it felt so profound i was like i guess i should start writing this stuff down and i had i did what i could then um and then it brought me to yeah it brought me to where i am today where it'd been yeah i'd, I'd always been kicking it around i've been kicking that can down the road and then the stars just aligned for me in the last few years where I was like, all right, I'm really going to pick this thing up and run with it now. That was, by the way, that was one of my famous questions that really isn't a question. It doesn't really even sound like a question, but it kind of is. So <laughs> you'll get a lot of those. Sorry about that. I like it. You, you also had a friend of yours. Um, and I don't think you ever mentioned in any of the stuff that I read and heard who he was. But he was starting to work with new writers to help them get published and get known. Mm -hmm. And he, he said something that I thought was really bizarre. And that was, he said to you, can you write 300 words a day? And you answered, yeah, I think so. And his reply was, if you write 300 words a day in six months, you'll have a book of words. Yeah, that was my that was my aha moment, and that's when it became real for me, because I was, this book was just a. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Brandon. So uh, to backtrack a little bit, going through that that deployment, that divorce, I uh, came home. Uh, I didn't. I, I needed a place to live, and I had known Brandon for twenty something years at that point. So I moved in with him, and this is where the stars sort of aligned for me, where um, Brandon just happened to be starting his own business of getting new authors up on their feet. So I here plops in his lap, his perfect, uh, his perfect client or his ideal client. And, uh, then we had that conversation. He's like, well, how many words do you write in a day? I'm like, I don't even know. And then we came to the number of 300 and, uh, yeah, after it, if you do 300 a day for after six months, you'll have 54,000 words or something. And that's a, that's a book. It's, a small book, but that's a book. And that's when it became real because if you do it right in the self-publishing industry, anywhere from four books, five books, six, seven, if you, uh, it, the number is different for everyone, but that's when people are leaving their day jobs because they're, they're pursuing their passion. They're making something of it. So that's when it became real for me. And I was like, all right. And, and in retrospect, that 300 words a day, it's kind of a really small number, isn't it? It absolutely is. It for anybody out there, <laughs> for anybody out there considering it, I I suggest you start with that number, and I bet you won't be able to to limit yourself to three hundred. So there's a whole lot of questions to the fourth restart of what you have come to realize is what you want to do. And at that time, you didn't. You were you were gaining focus. You were gaining the 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 lateral structure of what this story, which has turned out to be three books so far, uh, was going to be about. And 
then you had to figure out, uh, as Brandon said, that if you can write the 300 words a day, blah, 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 blah. But every writer has a time, a place, a way of writing that works better for them than anything else. Uh, and you write like at eight o'clock at night. That's uh, so that that's what I used to do. I used oh, to, okay. uh, and that's what I did for the majority of my writing career. I would work, uh, get out of work, go to the gym and then, uh, have dinner. And then it would be eight, nine, ten o'clock at night when I start my writing. And it was a average hour and a half, two hour endeavor every day. And you kind of got very comfortable in that kind of rotation of this is how my day is going to be for a while. Yeah. It, it was all for that big goal. I was very goal oriented and it, uh, I was always looking for tricks to make things easier. And it started as simple as, Oh, I like writing in coffee shops. What do you know? Coffee is a good stimulant. And then <laughs> like a yeah. lot of writers, I found, uh, I found alcohol <laughs> and I ended up, um, I ended up drinking, it, it became an issue. I, I was drinking too much and it affected my lifestyle and I got away with it for like a year or two and it didn't, it wasn't affecting my lifestyle as I knew it, but then eventually, um, it's, it did start to affect my lifestyle. And I went to the, I went to the doctor for a normal checkup and all he wanted to talk about was the drinking. And I was like, never whoa. a good sign. <laughs> whoa guy, take it easy. I'm let's not throw around the a word. And, uh, then he, uh, so it got me so angry. I'm like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to start writing at five o'clock in the morning, tomorrow morning, and we're going to see what happens. And he pissed me off enough where I did. And it's been the best thing for my health and for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. It's been, I, uh, been I've a always change. liked that, that, that watching the sunrise moment, you know, it's just something very calming about that time of the morning that most people who are barely getting out of, of, of the throes of sleep at that point, just never get to see. And, uh, yeah, there was a, when, when I was, when I was working, uh, I did some of my best stuff at between, you know, four thirty and, and seven o'clock in the morning without a doubt. So you started off by inventing a world and the world of an area is the world you invented. Did the world come first or did the story come first? Um, so the, 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 I guess the world came first because of the dream. Um, and I, the dream just, it, the dream didn't even give me too many major plot points. The dream just gave me a place to be. And it was so, I fell in love with it. It was so, uh, I was enraptured and I, I needed to be there. So I guess the, the world came first and then I inherently, there's two different schools of thought on writing the plotters and the pantsers pantsers, meaning right by the seat of your pants, pretty yeah, much yeah. <laughs> make it up as you go. So I, I just, uh, I like them to make it up as I go and that worked better for me. So you created this world in, in many ways based on a dream and the world is an exotic world, unlike anything else, uh, un unlike 
Earth or Terra, as you refer to it in the books. Mm-hmm. And there is a child. And this child travels back and forth between Terra and Inaria. Mm-hmm. Now we come to my point. <laughs> Some books ease you in to kind of give you a story a place a referent other books drop you in in the middle of nowhere but this series of books is a son of a bitch because it punches you and it doesn't stop at least as far as I've gotten in book one it hasn't stopped and I'm two thirds of the way through and please this is not a criticism because it's a style that works really really well for what you put together but man, is it is it difficult from time to time? Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to hear it. That's a I I it was very cathartic for me writing it because I I got a lot of my I got to know a lot of my own demons uh, writing some of these major plot points and uh, it. I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, it was it was very cathartic. Oh, because I had grown up um, being in the military and being very goal oriented in my in my twenties. I uh, I was always in the mindset just shut up and keep your head down, do your job. Um, and when things came up that um, certain emotions came up that were taking me away from my goal that, or slowed me down, I had no time for it. So now I. I uh, I got to know these parts a, a lot better through writing these books, and that's what I wanted to do for the reader. I wanted to take you right along with me, and I wanted to, I, if if someone's sitting there comfortable do, living the same lifestyle that I was, I, I want to knock you off your rails a little bit. Well, you damn well did it. Thank you so much. <laughs> talk talk to me about the main character, Cole, who we meet when he's three years old, and. The majority of book one, the devotion in the trilogy, which is Saving the Dark Side, uh, the majority of the book takes place as a young teenager for him. Is it like eighth grade or ninth grade or something like that? Uh, yeah, the the first, uh, I think he's on, he's on Earth for the first four or five chapters and... Uh, not to give too much away, but he, so he, he's on earth for a period and, uh, you meet him at three years old and then at 10 years old and then fast forward again at 17 years old when he's, uh, in his later, later year in high school. And uh, it was a very formative years, um, and for him. This, this kid was not dealt a kind deck of cards, uh, in any stretch of, of, of the imagination. He, he lives uh, with uh, a single parent with his mother uh, who cannot cope with the strangeness of what he is. His younger brother is, oh, how to put this, um, he has, challenged. He has, he has Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, and... and he constant and he and he loves his little brother. 
He loves his little, he's devoted to his little brother. Yeah, by the way, yeah. And I'm not, I am not saying a word uh, 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 for spoilers here. Mm-hmm. But there, there is a devotion inside Cole that when he finally leaves Terra to reside uh, on the dark side, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's that strength of devotion that uh, comes through for him that he uses to build, uh, which makes Cole a very, very compelling character. Stranger in a strange land for sure, but uh, willing to work through and, and, and face, face his demons, for lack of a better term. Yep, there's a. So I'll share. I'll peel. I'll peel back the curtains a little bit on uh, on Cole. Uh, so I am a, a. It's common for a lot of new authors to imprint on their characters, uh, and I'm. I fell right for it. So I I imprinted quite a bit on on Cole. Um, I didn't have such a rough upbringing as he did. I had a very very good upbringing I, my parents were amazing my my sister my family's awesome and including my my own foster brother who has uh, he has down syndrome and he's happy and healthy and he's he's been a hoot um and but there, there's certain things that like him having the, the the mentally challenged brother that that was me with my experience with with my brother, it, it gave me the the bravery to to be truthful and be honest, honest and show how cruel kids can be, and to uh, to put Cole through his paces at, at a at a pretty tender age. Yeah, at ten. <laughs> wow, right. and and, and uh, you know, there's okay, a little truth in advertising. There's an authenticity to what you put your characters through uh, in, in book one that is painfully honest. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> I, I, so I, I also grew up in Nashua as Cole uh, grew up in Nashua and I, I am not in the tree street specifically. And I, I am not um, very kind to the tree streets in in this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is a three book series at this point with a couple of side novels as well. The, uh, the swindlers and the squall mm-hmm. uh, and uh, her gift for you. Mm-hmm. If you go to, Joe's website, you can get a free ebook of her gift for you. And I'm going to put that link up on, on our website uh, because if you need an introduction uh, beyond the discussion that we're having here about this and you want to see kind of what it is that we're talking about, um, that's a good place to start. The tagline for book one is uh, if you like, if you're searching for fairy tales and happy endings, then seek your solace elsewhere. And that's very true for uh, all my books. 
Why is that? Do you think? Um, because I, I, I don't. I when growing up, seeing seeing movies and reading books, I didn't like the happy endings. I I got bored of them very quickly. It didn't seem it didn't seem real to me. And I think uh, real life is a lot more bittersweet, and you you don't always get that uh, that golden save the day, everyone's lives happily ever after sort of thing. Is it too childish of me to believe that by the time we get to book three, Cole will be the master of his own destiny as opposed to what he is in, in book one? I do uh, I do a bit of fan service towards the end of book three. It's it's a book three is very very climactic ending, um, and a lot of things come together and a lot of a lot of things that you're hoping for. You you don't get exactly what you want, but you get you get something that you didn't realize you wanted. As long as I get some resolution here, I'm going to be happy. Oh yeah, because because. I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't gotten a single paragraph of resolution yet. And um, it's it's forcing me to continue to move and, and, and stick with this. I literally spent most of today uh, reading and rereading and rereading uh, the, the portion of book one that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, looking. Uh, I'm... I'm a big believer that authors will foreshadow an awful lot that they're not even aware of. And uh, sometimes it's with secondary and tertiary characters, but there's usually always something there. I can't find it with your stuff, Joe. <laughs> I cannot find it at all. It's, I would say it's a, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of subtle. I, I, I wouldn't, uh, well, that, it's also the, my style of writing. I, I make it up as I go, so I, I don't. Uh, I have an idea of where I'm going, um, but I, I'm making a lot of it up as I go. So I, I don't. Uh, there's some of those de- plot devices that I don't use as much as other authors would. So book one is the devotion. Book two is the Harbingers, and book three is the Unbound. Is book three the final chapter in Saving the Dark Side? Um, I am going to say no. It is not. In fact, I am. Uh, I am. I just finished rereading book one and book two. Um, most pretentious thing I've ever done is read my own books in public. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm halfway through book three right now and I'm getting, I'm, I'm absorbing, reabsorbing the story for the first time as a reader, which is crazy. Um, and I am going to take that momentum. I'm going to carry it forward and I'm going to start writing book four, um, in July actually. Wow. Okay. So for, for our listening friends, um, this is uh, something quite different, quite out of the ordinary. It's not well within my comfort zone at all. But it is something that I just can't put away. Um, and Joe, thank you for 
uh, the this wonderful invention of uh, an area. Thank you for uh, the creation of this world, uh, and thanks for coming on the show, man. This is. You, do you realize we've been at this for half an hour? Um. Well, it seems it seems like we've been talking for five minutes. <laughs> I agree, uh, and so we've got to have you back, and I and I definitely want to do that. Uh, so please, uh, come back and join us again. Absolutely, anytime. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of GraniteCon, Keen Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you're looking for some really great gift book for the rapidly approaching St. Swithin's Day, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook is now available on Audible, because I don't know where else you'd find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, look at RobWattsOnline.com. Everybody's enjoying his hot sauce, even me, and I don't really care for hot sauce, but that stuff's good. Our outro music, the stuff you're listening to right now, was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. A big hello to JoJo and Celine. Uh, you had a wonderful time at the con in London. Congratulations. Many thanks to the gang from the Peabody Time Tunnel, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and the woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. We'll talk soon, Stacy. I keep getting these emails for weed control, but they're never what I expect. Good night, everybody, unless it's daytime. I know.